Hello and welcome to the Arista Wealth Podcast, where we focus on your finances, wellness, and lifestyle, so you can focus on living your dreams. We'll help you navigate through important topics so that you can elevate your life and financial health. Let's get started with your host, Paul Moffitt. Welcome to Arista Wealth Podcast. We're excited to have you join us today while you're driving, biking, cycling, or walking, or doing what you're doing. We're really excited to have as our guest today, Anthony Paponi. Anthony's from Bend, Oregon. I love the Northwest, and it's very green and very lush where he's at. And uh, if you haven't been to Bend, you should sometime find a way to get up there because it's a wonderful, really quiet city. But Anthony, tell us about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Paul. I love the introduction, by the way, of like wherever you are. Hopefully people are riding bikes and walking more than being in their cars. We know about human happiness, that people that are out of their cars more and, and on their feet or on bikes are happier people. So that's a good thing to encourage. Yeah, I live in Bend, Oregon. I love the Pacific Northwest as well. Uh, Bend is an interesting place in that it's, you know, high desert amongst the Pacific Northwest that I think a lot of people think of as just wet and green everywhere. And once you get over the Cascades, it turns into desert pretty quickly. So it's uh, we're at the foothills of Mount Bachelor, and it's a great community. And I chose my community very thoughtfully about what it needed to provide for me because I know how, how important it is to my happiness. But I'm sure we'll talk about that and many other things. Well, that's great. And uh, for our listeners, uh, Anthony, thank you for that. You know, Anthony is a professional speaker. He's an author. He's a corporate trainer. He's a team building facilitator. He can do it all. And he's spoken large groups, small groups, just a really high dynamic, high performing person. So we're thrilled to have him here today. Anthony, walk us through what you think our listeners need to to stay a high performer in a negative world that we live in. Yeah, that's an interesting question, right? That our brains love when we perform. Right? Our brains are wired for us to do things and to accomplish things. Our brains don't like when we're static. Our brains like for us to you know, down cycle a little bit, but our brains actually want us to pursue things and to go do things. And that's our brain perceives those as uh, valuable for our survival. So certainly being high performing is something that can trigger a lot of really positive emotions in your brain or positive neurochemical responses. So doing those things are great. You know, you talked about being on bikes, you get a sort of, you get an endorphin response. If you win a race, you get a serotonin response. All sorts of good things happen in those situations. The negativity of the world is certainly it's tough, right? And I, I think we have to tap into resilience and our own grit of staying power, just really trying to push through the barriers that come up to us. And you know, what's interesting about human happiness is so much of the things that we perceive as the only forms of happiness, it, it leaves half of it out, you know, and there's real hard parts to happiness of pushing through barriers, overcoming obstacles and staying the course on things to achieve them. So I I think you've tapped into something significant about maybe even how we define high performance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And share with our listeners, Anthony, a little bit more about that human happiness side. How can people know that they're there or if they're not there, how they can get there and, and some some hacks or some habits that they can work on to get there. Sure. You know, one of the things that I think is really important with human happiness is I think a little bit of a reframe of, around what happiness can look like day to day, moment to moment, hour to hour. You know, I, I think we all have this expectation that elation is like what we should be feeling all the time. And we're not really meant to feel happy all the time. You know, our brains have this negativity bias. That negativity bias is actually there to keep us alive. And we can talk more about the the impacts of that negativity bias. 
But, you know, I'd say one of the important reframes is that sometimes the happiness that's available to us is just these moments of contentment, like between the thing you're working on and the next thing that comes up, you know, what's that feeling for you? How do you feel in that moment of between those two stimulating activities? How do you feel about your life? Do you feel like you live a life with purpose, with pride, and of course, with pleasure? And, you know, we, we think about these, um, you know, like I, I love performing. I love holding a microphone. Those are the high moments for me. I feel great doing those things. I love entertaining. I love making people laugh. I love changing lives. You know, I love making other people happy. But what happens when I put the microphone down and the neurochemical response goes away? How do I feel about my life in that moment? You know, I think that's a big part of what people miss out on is that a lot of the things that provide us with these moments of pleasure are they're episodic. You know, they have they have a lifespan and they're driven by our brain. Yeah, it, you know, that neurochemical laughter, it's interesting you mentioned all those things, laughter. I also heard you say that when you're in your happy place, which is in a stage with yeah. a microphone in front of people, making people laugh, that's sort of your happy place. And it's important to, to I guess, to, from what you said, find that and then do what is most logical and common sense to get to that place and to try to do it more frequently. Okay. Yeah, absolutely on that. Go Wonderful. ahead. Did you have a follow-up question there? Yeah, no. One of the big words that you said was laughter. Come yeah. on, Anthony, give us something to laugh about. You know, <laughs> because being able to make people laugh, I think, is a real art. <laughs> yeah. It's certainly something that I love, you know, and I dabble in it in a lot of ways, in ways that that you spoke to. You know, like I think there, there's a whole an understanding about like crafting the life that fulfills you. Hey, don't get focused on the wrong things. Focus on the things that are that are legitimate and provide lasting happiness. We can get misdirected about those things because of what the world tells us will make us happy. For me, a lot of it is just like, you know, I do improv on a regular basis. And I think it's important for me, just on a personal level, to recognize that I'm an extroverted person. I love little interactions with people. And I love making people kind of like at the grocery line, like smirk and do something funny. All those little moments of goofiness for me are, are important. And, you know, we know from, from human happiness that those little interactions, especially those that were taken away from us during the pandemic, are all really important. Interacting with bank tellers, interacting with your neighbors, hanging out and doing weird, those weird little micro moments of connection are really important. So I'm a goofball. I, I do a lot of things and I embarrass myself constantly with my lack of high performance. Hand me a hockey stick, put me on a mountain bike. Ask me to do something remotely athletic, and I will show you my, my mediocrity almost instantaneously. <laughs> but I'm still having fun doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, to your point, I think it's important to be out there, be engaged, doing things. You know, I had a client text uh, a picture of her and her husband out in the Bahamas, and four days later, they were up ice fishing and had caught a fish like bigger than nice. the distance between their two arms. Yeah. And, you know, they just live a life of engagement, a life of doing things, a life of, of experiencing, talking, communicating. And, you know, that's how we're supposed to be instead of indoors hiding and understand the importance and the science of isolation for medical purposes. But it's now time for us to get out there yeah, and, and get back engaged. Walk us through, Anthony, the, this concept of locus of control. Sure. I, you know, I think it's one of the, the hardest parts of, of the being bombarded kind of constantly by, I'll call it information. You can call it misinformation. You can call it manipulative information. You know, I, I'm not a big watcher of the news. I like to stay informed about what's happening in the world, but I also recognize that that can be a significant source of negativity, you know, that I don't think you need to go very far in the world, you know, to go find suffering. It's in your own community. It's right next to you. And you should pay attention to that. And, 
you know, for me, when I think about locus of control, I, I think about like, you know, what we get bombarded with media with like two boxes. One is a smaller box of all the things in the world that you can control, including your own behavior, your own responses, how you interact with the world, how you behave on a day-to-day basis, how you treat other people. And then there's a bigger box out there. You know, that's world politics. It's national politics. It's things that are above the scale of what we can control in the world. And if we live in that outer box too much and we, we pay too much attention to that, it's, it's just pinging us with negativity all day long. And that triggers the wrong part of our brain. You know, we really have the, the ability and, you know, not in a, an actual sense, but there's really two significant portions of our brain. One is back here. This is fight or flight. This is the old cave person brain. And then up here is the, the prefrontal cortex. This is where all the executive function happens. This is where our, spe- our specialness is, all our computing power is. And in a sense, you can really only power one part of one one of those parts of the brain at a time. If you're all fight or flight, that's all driven by negativity. That's all fear-based. That's all self-centeredness. That turns that on. And then if you get up here, you know, that's this is the part that you want on. This is the part where you have all that thought processing power. It's the supercomputer inside. But this one can override this one. So if you really don't want to be in that, what I call the mullet brain, because I don't think we need mullets anymore. I'm not a big fan of those. (laughs) And so the mullet brain for me is a connotation of maybe not the the best versions of ourselves when that's turned on. I love that concept that you shared with us, the two boxes, The, the inner box is you and our own little sphere and world. And then outside of that is the world and Boy, isn't there a lot of excess news going on out there right now, Anthony? <laughs> yeah, I would say for sure. And not all of it's real news, <laughs> you know? And so yeah, I think a lot of it, you just have to understand that. I think for me, I need to kind of understand the context of what's happening in the grander scheme of the world. I don't get lost in, in dogmatic approaches on anything. I just don't have a whole lot of time or interest for it. And I think that the hard part there is like when you get in that whole what's going on in the world and what, you know, like you can get yourself all fired up about it, but our brain hates it when we don't have a clear path towards a solution. Our brain doesn't like uncertainty. Our brain likes a problem, a static problem that we can try to solve. Because when we have a static problem, something that's defined with parameters, our brains can work towards a solution, towards solving that problem. Now we can't always solve all the problems. We, we can at least make strides towards that. But when your brain sees all these things happening out there and all these negative, you know, negative moments happening, our brains don't know what to do with that. Our brains don't know how to resolve those situations. And, you know, you also have to realize that our brains were formed at a time when we lived in very small groups, you know, group dynamics, 150 people were very important. We were all working together for our own survival. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with us, that the brain doesn't like uncertainty. And because it doesn't like uncertainty, it forces us into the news world, which is a negative regurgitating world. And to try to say, hey, since there's uncertainty, let's go try to find some certainty in the news world. But the news world, it just regurgitates its negativity. It's it's frightening. It's scary. It's, you know, all these other emotional feelings that they create. And then in between are these big commercials that pay for all of the salaries. <laughs> it's not real hard to connect the dots, is it, Paul? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's interesting how you how, how you mention and bring the science to bear and for discussion that the brain doesn't like the uncertainty. And that second box that you described is the world. There's a lot of uncertainty out there in the world. Yeah. And we can all control our own little box of where the milk is, what's in the cupboard, are our clothes clean, dirty, ironed. And you go outside of that and it's just a hectic, chaotic world. So it's it's really 
neat to hear some of these ideas. Share with us some of the habit-forming tools that our listeners can can ponder and think about to ensure some inspiration in their life. You know, I kind of work in both ends of the spectrum. One end is like really understanding like where your greatness lies. People need to understand like what their uniqueness is. We have these incredibly complex brains. And that's a blessing that we have these really complex brains. They can do things we can evolve and shape our neural pathways and we can become these, you know, amazing neuroscientists and we can become really amazing teachers and we can become great financial wealth managers. It all allows us to niche and do all these things. And we have all these crazy experiences that form all of those. We should understand, you know, where, where that's put us and what, how that provides us like in a, puts us in a unique place in the world. The other side of that is we all have blind spots, right? We all have our weaknesses and they can be mild weaknesses, but they can also be such strong weaknesses they can undermine us, you know, and completely undermine us. And typically those, you know, those weaknesses come out of fear-based patterns. A lot of the neural wiring and the neural pathways we have form in our youth. And so if we have a lot of us have experienced trauma in our youth and we create these patterns that, that evolved from times in our youth to, to still being carried with us today, we have to try to unwind, unwind those things, right? We want to like rewire the brain for more of these positive pathways. One of the big ones for me is just recognizing when I'm in my brain a little too much and in my head a little too much. You know, you, you said it at the start of the podcast, get outside and move. I think that's a great thing. And it doesn't have to be a huge movement. It doesn't have to be running marathons. It can just be like the simple thing of getting out of this chair, getting out of your head, moving your body. Your body likes movement. It's really good for your health as well. Obviously, we're not talking about running 5Ks as an indicator of great health. You know, just movement is important. But I think the other thing too is just like sometimes getting out of your head, getting back in your body, and just using that as a quick reset. And so for me, it's just little things like, you know, these are mindfulness tools that have been proven to be really successful and really valuable. Just for me, literally like catching myself, you know, and I say, I say this little joke and I use these slides and presentations It's the cover of a book. And the book says 16 hypothetical arguments I've won in the shower, you know, and like we all do that, right? And we get in our head and we're trying to solve problems yeah. because social threats are a big deal to the human brain. But if you can catch those patterns forming and you can just say, hey, stop. Like literally, yeah. I do this, hands up, stop. And then I just catch where I am, do my weight in the chair, feel my feet on the floor, find my breath really quickly. It takes what, five seconds to do that? Break that pattern, yeah. break that habit, reward yourself for doing it, move back on to what you were doing. And you do that in a much less negative mindset, turn off that mullet brain. Yeah. Anthony, I, I want to dig a little deeper on that yeah. because what you're saying is, is that when our brain goes from a positive to a negative mindset. You said you hold your hands up, you yeah. know, like a bank robber who points <laughs> a gun at you and you hold your hands up and then you sit down, you rub your feet. You're saying that's sort of like a mental mind reset. Is that what, is that yeah. sort of a hack and an idea you're sharing? Yeah, I would not suggest that if somebody holds a gun up to you that you think this will actually work. <laughs> I would maybe let you and I would encourage the fight or flight response there and get out of that situation. It's more of just a, for me, it's just an honoring of like, oh, my, my brain is spinning. Our brains are meant to spin. You know, our brains are meant to think through scenarios and situations, right? It's r ruminating is an okay thing because what our brains are doing is trying to solve the percent, the the perceived problems in the world that could lead to us not surviving or our offspring not surviving. But when that gets out of phase and it's happening too much and it's just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, and it's fed by a media cycle, it's fed by whatever those things are, right? 
then your brain just starts getting spun with all these messages and they're undermining your greatness. You know, your greatness, again, is up at the front part of your brain. And so really what I'm saying is like getting your body back to that situation of being like, hey, I recognize what my brain is trying to do. Thank you for trying to solve all the world's problems right here from my little house. We're not going to solve the world's problems today. Let's get out of that mindset and let's get back to what we can control. You know, what's in front of us that's actually within our realm of control. So that's the tool is like stopping the thought pattern, making a positive response and saying, good job on catching yourself in that thought pattern. Your brain likes that. It restarts rewiring those things. And then you can start moving back towards you know, the more powerful part of your thought processes. Wow. That's great. That's great. And Anthony, tell us another brain hack. Open up the curtain into the, the, the mind and the high performing life of Anthony Paponi. And what are some other things that you do as a professional speaker, author, corporate trainer, things that our listeners can also take back with them? Well, I think a big part of it is negativity bias, a challenge with a perception of happiness around how grateful are you for the life that you have versus the life you want. And the the smaller the gap is between those two things, I think you can find more happiness in your daily life. Again, you know, think about negativity bias. You know, it's driving us for more and more and more, and that can be a dangerous cycle to fall into. And so finding ways to be content and happy with what's going on. So one of the things that I do is a short little gratitude activity called one, two, three, four, five. So I have my cell phone. I set an alarm or a reminder every day for 1234. And at 1235, 1234, I say five things I'm grateful for. And so all, what you're doing there is that if you've seen my logo, it's the glass half full, glass half empty. If you perceive the glass is empty, then the glass can be empty. If you perceive the glass is full, the glass can be full. And so by using this technique, you're just honoring the things in your life, big or small, that make you happy. You know, the things that you're grateful for in your own life. I'm grateful that I have a condo. I'm grateful I have food on the shelf. I'm grateful that I live in a community that I love. I'm grateful that I get to talk about happiness. I'm grateful for the career that I've created, you know, whatever those things are, big and small in your daily life. And that closes that gap between the life you're chasing versus being happy with the life that you have right in front. That's great. So what you're saying is, is sort of stay present, take an inventory of good things that are going on and focus on those things inside your box, our individual box, and control the things inside our box instead of trying to look at the negativity and say, boy, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Why don't I have that? Because it just it just takes you down this spiral that who knows where it's going to end up. Is is that what we're hearing? Yeah. And, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to paint a negative light around materialism. You know, there's lots of positives around acquiring things and having a comfort in your financial situation that allows you to not worry about yourself. But we have this process of that negativity bias will make us always worry, right? And so how do we, of course, continue to like create more safety and comfort for ourselves? Because that allows us to go from being self-centered to other-centered. That allows us to be more generous and, and to invite other people in and to be more generous in the world towards nonprofit situations, things that align with our values. So I don't want people to think that there, there's nothing wrong with wealth management. But the, my three things happened in my life at the same time that changed my life. One, I had a profit, like I had money that I could do something with other than spend it on daily things. And I started to invest that. I, I had a wealth manager. I have a wealth manager. That wealth manager changed my perception of money in the world and what I could do with my money. And then I had a coach that you know provided a shortcut to me on just like what, where, I, where I was great and what I could be doing and how to lean into those things and how to get out of my own way. And I think that's a big part of you know this high-performing piece is 
sometimes we just get in our own ways. We have to figure out what those blind spots are so that we don't undermine ourselves. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And Anthony, share with us how our listeners can stay in contact with you and and get some of the uh, wonderful tools that you make available. Sure. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, Anthony Paponi, and uh, you can find me there. And then, of course, my website is my name because I'm a narcissist. So it's anthonypaponi.com. And you can go there and there's an opportunity to sign up. There's some free resources on there and then all sorts of other things, workbooks and, and virtual lessons and all that stuff. Well, that's great. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for your time today. You know, I've got two pages of notes here just talking about negativity bias, how that's important to put laughter in our life. The brain doesn't like uncertainty. We all need to find out what our greatness and our uniqueness is. And having a locus of control, our own box inside of a bigger box, just wonderful stuff, blind spots, weaknesses, the importance of unwinding so that we have access to to new pathways. And by unwinding, we actually go to a higher level of thinking because we allow those unwinding pathways to become unwound. It opens things more up. Wonderful, wonderful conversation today, Anthony. And I really, really, really appreciate your time and energy and thoughts and input today. Listeners, stay tuned. Next week, we're really excited for another special guest. Please remember to always go to AristaWealth.com to look at other tools, tips, and videos and resources to help you live a life of significance. This episode of the Arista Wealth Podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more advice on your finances, wellness, and lifestyle so you can focus on living your dreams. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.